and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford and joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey Stu, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you Justin. How are things in Canada? It seems the last few episodes at least that I start the show complaining about sleep. So I'm not going to do that other than to say that, well, we had a bit of a family emergency. I was up till one o'clock this morning. So if I fall asleep at the wheel, you're going to have to step in and do an hour long monologue. <laughs> well, my wife will tell you that's not a problem. Oh, this is good. This is good. Uh, so follow up for you, Stu. You were complaining a little while ago about your big home pod starting up on their own. And I was laughing along with everybody at home that was listening. Mine did the same thing yesterday, scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> it does come as a shock, doesn't it? I don't know what they were doing because they're, they're, they're big HomePods. I have the little ones and I have the big ones, and the big ones are over on my writing desk. And I don't usually listen to the big ones that loudly because, well, I have a family that lives at home too, and they wouldn't like them. And I was doing some work at my stand-up desk and they cranked at a really, really loud volume, something that I don't even know where they got it. They got it. It was some, um, ambient electronic music that I have on my playlist. So it, it is my music. I don't know where they got it from because I did the old trick of taking my phone and then say holding it next to it and saying what are you playing and then i could figure it out but yeah i have no idea why they did that the only good thing that i had to say for that was that god i work from home because it wasn't too far to go change my shorts after that <laughs> it was exciting it was scary and boy i hope they don't do that again my heart won't take it well you just get used to adjusting <laughs> your various electronics around the home just doing their own thing it's the future you know <laughs> Yes, uh, this is uh, virtual reality, I guess. Artificial intelligence, the thing that doesn't exist that everybody likes to pretend it does. Uh, this is the best it does. Crank out tunes. <laughs> uh, I did get some follow-up from last episode as well. Lisa S. sent a very expensive and pithy email for me. Doll133. No teeth marks. It's lovely. That's it. <laughs> that was the entire message. <laughs> Cost me $40. Yes, <laughs> you, of course, went, well, right, well, I'll have to get one then. Of course I did, because, well, Lisa, friend of the show, she's, she knows what she's talking about that one. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Lisa. Yes. Do you get Prime? I was going to ask you about this, because you're on a Mediterranean island far away from, you know, what we would call normality. And apparently I'm up in the middle of BC, also in a place that, seems strangely lost to normality prime delivery you know that thing that you pay a chunk of money for every year well it's two weeks to a month for something simple like a like a sharpener <laughs> that's coming from a warehouse and that's kind of normal with anything coming out of amazon lately sure it, it, do you have the same problems or is it just <laughs> well we i had prime uh when we moved here, I had Prime from the UK and UK is similar to the US. You know, you'll, you get sort of, if you're in the big cities, you get same day delivery and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. 
And I kept it, not because I was going to get same-day delivery, because that certainly wasn't going to happen, but because they had TV rights that I was interested in um, and with judicious use of a, uh, a VPN, I could make that all work. Mm. And then they sort of, they sent me a mail saying, you're in Europe. Oh. Um, partially, I think, because I was getting packages delivered to Europe. They're cunning like that. <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, absolutely. And they said, well, yeah, I'm afraid your TV is going to be uh, less good now. So, you know, a lot of those UK things are, are going to disappear. Ooh. Right. So, so what's left? Um, not very much. Mm. Right. So in terms of deliveries, then uh, my prime benefits are, are what? Um, well, there, there aren't any as such. Right. So can you give me a reason I should continue to pay for prime? Um, I'm just going to put you through to my supervisor. Oh, thanks very much. Uh, no, sir. There's no reason you should pay for Prime. Thanks for shopping at Amazon. And that was it. That, that, that was the end of my uh, conversation with them. So, no. Um, it's it's a very good way of, of removing the sort of FOMO, I need it now motivation for shopping. Because, uh, as you say, it's like, yes, I need this now. Oh, actually, I need this in a month. Do I really need it in a month? Will I care in a month? Mm, I'm not sure. So, I mean, it's saving me money. I'm sure it'll save you money too. Something happened, I think, with the flood, and they just haven't bothered fixing anything. So now it's, it's literally anything you want is two weeks a month. I pre-ordered a release day book two months in advance, and it took me two weeks to get it from the release day. I don't know how that works. I mean, give me a break. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> okay. It's not just me. It is something about living... Not in a metropolitan city. Yep. Um, you know, maybe next time uh, Jeff flies up on his little spaceship, he can uh, parachute it out to us and uh, do it a little quicker that way. But yeah, it's frustrating. Uh, speaking of delayed glad. <laughs> okay, you beat me to it. Yes, delayed delivery. Um, uh, uh, the, the current Mrs. Lennon and I were out for some lunch at <laughs> the weekend. I hope that wasn't delayed. That make you awful grumpy. <laughs> and we were we were lunching um, quite adjacent to the Apple reseller, uh, and so fortified by a couple of glasses of wine, I sort of wandered in and asked whether there was any news on on my order because they had on order for me um, an iPhone Mini, mm. um, and in true sort of Cypriot st style, they no idea they couldn't find my order, no, no idea. But we do have red iPhone Minis because I wanted a red one. Mm -hmm. uh, and shall I shout it? Oh, go on then. So um, I have updated my iPhone to an iPhone 13 mini. Oh, lovely. Uh, which I, I've got to say, I'm delighted with the form factor, which is kind of, you know, it's, what can I, I mean, it's still a phone. It's an iPhone. It does iPhone-y things like my other iPhone did. Yeah. Um, it's just a bit smaller than, than the other one. I haven't really taken lots of photos or done any of the things that uh, are supposed to demonstrate to me the great progress that's been made over the last four years. But uh, I, I like the small form factor and it's red and it's shiny. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm delighted. All right. So, you know, we're, we're nerds here. Right. I, I have to ask how many gigs did you get? 
the two, five, six. Oh, good choice. Good choice. What case are you rocking? Uh, no, case free. Oh, you're daring, my friend. Yeah, they bounce, you see. Um, no, I mean, I, I usually go um, sort of case-free for a while and then go into I, – I sort of chop and change. Um, but, you know, if you're going to buy the, the product red, <laughs> you, you want to go case-free for a while. Otherwise, you'll forget that you've got a bright red phone. Mm. Well, you just have the little bubble around the cameras, right, that shows the red. You have mm. to buy a complimentary case. At least that's my justification to myself anyway. There is a nice red silicon one that sort of matches. Um, I haven't seen the red leather one. Uh, but yes, I, I have discovered that one problem with the Mini is that uh, my older charging stations, which I had sort of, um, they, they, this was before MagSafe, so I had the iPhone 10. So they're, they're what would you call them, Qi chargers. The Qi charger will work fine, apart from the fact that Mini, the battery's in a different place. So it, I sit it on my little sort of stand, mm. and, and the stand sort of tries to charge it and then, then gives up because it can't find the battery, I think. Mm. Um, so I'll, clearly I'll have to go out and buy all sorts of new and exciting chargers. Belkin Lookout, I'm on my way, or Mophie or uh, 12 South or one of those big guys, I'm sure I'll throw money at them and it'll get delivered to me, I don't know, in four years or something. That's about it. Uh, just in time for them to change something else. Mm -hmm. um, are you putting a screen protector on it? No. I have heard tell tale that the screens on the new 13s mm -hmm. are a little prone to scratching. God. I do believe our, our friend Mike Hurley <gasps> had a little bit of a rant about that a while back. Oh, yeah. He, he was trying to get one replaced, wasn't it? Yeah. And I've heard a couple of comments that they tend to scratch. That's why I was kind of curious. Um, well, I know they, they do have the Belkin, they have a sort of covering station machine thing uh, because Margaret got hers covered where, you know, they, they sort of lay it into a little brace thing and the, it, it's like a sort of old-fashioned photocopier. They pull down the cover and it comes out. So I, I may investigate that next week. It's something silly when you actually have to buy a new phone and the first thing you have to do is put a condom on it. Exactly, all these protective measures. Yeah. Um, and I haven't got Apple Care either yet, so I should probably think about doing that. Well, from what I heard from Mike Hurley, if you, even if you get deep scratches on your iPhone screen, they won't cover it under Apple Care anymore. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, unfortunately, and because it's Mike, and I know, I know he won't, but everybody listening to that show will now go, hmm, I've got scratches on my phone. Oops, I dropped it. That's about it. <laughs> that's something that's. Uh, I think it's a bit short-sighted of Apple, but there seems to be a lot of that about in Apple at the moment. Are we talking about HomePods or anything else that you want to talk about? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm enjoying listening to all of our uh, Apple podcast. Uh, you know, the Apple podcast glitterati getting increasingly frustrated with Apple's approach to to app stores and the like. Oh yes, the uh, well, well. If you want to use a third-party payment processor, that's fine. We won't charge you 30%. It'll cost you 3%. We'll just charge you a commission of 27. You gotta love the, you know, what's of a company to do that. That, that, <laughs> that takes a certain position in the world. Anyway, let's get back to a podcast and not an Apple cast. Go on then. What's your tool of the week this week, Stu? 
Uh, it's a recommendation from you, Justin. Um, you, uh, when we were speaking about my MBA, you suggested that I get hold of How to Become a Straight A Student by Cal Newport, a man whose later works I've read. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought, yeah, do you know what? That's a good idea. I didn't realize that you were sending me on quite a task because this was, uh, this was written and published before the days of, uh, of eBooks. Oh. Um, so you can't actually get an electronic version. Well, unless you get a sort of, you know, dodgy PDF from those places on the internet. <laughs> so I ended up buying, uh, a, a paperback, which, uh, <sighs> reference previous conversation came to me from germany eventually of course a month later from amazon right yeah it arrived i got it i don't know i think a couple of days ago and i've got um an assignment due in on as we record sunday uh so a couple of days after this i've got to get my first assignment in. so i'm trying to read it in time to work out what i should have done (laughs) Uh, that's okay yeah your second assignment will benefit from this yeah, well, my first assignment, I mean, in fairness, it's not graded. So uh, I've just read a chapter that from Cal says, well, don't bother with it then. Oh, okay then. Smart man, that Cal Newport, isn't he? Mm, well, you know, um, I, I believe that I've been asked to do this. As, this is our opportunity to get some guidance and feedback from the, from the tutors. And most importantly, it's, um, I think, so that they don't get a load of um, gradable assignments at the end of the module that fail because they're written in the wrong form. And you know, it's, it's all that sort of stuff. Harvard referencing. Oh God. The mind boggles. Do you have to go through, turn it in or anything like that? Oh yes, sir. Oh yes, indeed. Uh, Every time anyone speaks about assignments, you have to listen to 15 to 20 minutes on academic malpractice or plagiarism or both. God. Ah, uh, I can only imagine that has gotten much worse than when I was when I did my Yeah, well they're like put it in to turn it in. And so in the in the lecture I said, Well, why would I do that? But to make sure it's not like somebody else's. And I said, Well, I'm writing it. I'm not gonna cheat because I've got no interest in cheating. So there would be no point in me putting it in turn it in, would there? Mm. Uh, d- uh, uh, um well we will be putting it in to turn it in. All right then. <laughs> Don't see why me putting it in in advance is going to help. But well, go. the defense for that is an infinite amount of monkeys and an infinite amount of typewriters. Sure, sure. Um, and I think the I, from what I can gather, the real issue is that um, you know students writing about the same subject will tend to go to the same sort of sources, uh, and you're encouraged to paraphrase. There's only so many ways you can paraphrase a well-written sentence. So, uh, you know, whatever. At least one thing, if you have a word count, paraphrasing a good sentence generally ups the count with filler words of crap. (laughs) For sure, for sure. You're you're a writer, no. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this one is um, a 1,500 word submission, which, uh, yeah, that's a couple of hours writing for me. I'm not particularly stressed about that mm. i must say i like playing with words but yes sort of harvard referencing and oh can you do this with the format and they're making me write justin in word yes oh did you have to buy word or do you have a copy from the jobby job no yeah i've got a i've got a corporate license for all that nonsense but yeah oh dear i do i 
don't know. It's just such a horrible writing experience. It's like, oh, look at all this rubbish. Um, but they want you to use all the rubbish. So, you know, use this referencing system and then amend it to make it Harvard. I'm like, why don't I just not use a referencing system? And uh, Anyway, never mind. <sighs> tiresome, 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 tiresome. What about you, Justin? What's your tool of the week? I remembered some simple shortcuts to minimize windows, particularly command, option, click. This was something I'd forgotten about until the other day I needed to do it and was like, okay, well, I've got a bunch of windows open. How do I do it quickly? I said, oh, shortcuts are really, really important. They're amazingly quick. And you know, a lot of them are baked right into the operating system. I'm assuming that Windows has something similar, but I'm not daring enough like Stu to actually um, check it out and, and go down the Microsoft porthole. But uh, yeah, use, use your simple command click options. It's great. Mm-hmm. Very good. And, and, and then I did something for Mrs. T. We have the Apple TV. Well, we've got a few of them, but the one that lives in the living room on the big TV, which is the one she watches, has a wonderful habit. I don't know if yours does this, Stu. Every time I walk into the room, it tells her in a big, big pop-up that my AirPods are in the room and click here to transfer all of the sound to my AirPods. And it's really, really, really annoying because this is so, so big, you know, on, on a Mac, Mm. you play hunt the little X with your Mm -hmm. notifications that pop up because they're so tiny in the last couple of versions. Sure. Uh, This is not like that at all. This is a huge tap target, but it's a pain because a, I don't want to listen to whatever rom-com she's generally watching. And B, she now can't see, you know, an eighth of the screen because it's telling her until I leave that my AirPods are in the room. Trying to fix this is a challenge because, well, if Mrs. T is watching a rom-com, you do not want to try to grab the remote out of her hand and go into the settings. Mm. I had five minutes on my own the other day to the TV so I could watch something that I wanted. And I went in and I actually changed the settings and boy, was that so nice. But yeah, Apple makes such a mess of this. It's right up there with the home pods, the, the, anything with a pod in the name switching, they just do a terrible job of it. We're back to complaining about Apple. Sorry. <laughs> I've got to say this particular one, and in the true tradition of stationary Jason, I'm about to curse myself, um, hasn't happened to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I've never connected my uh, AirPods to, to the Apple TV. Um, but so far it's never done it. So I guarantee it will happen. We'll probably in an hour or two. Right then. Pen and ink of the week. What have you got there, Justin? You've got all quiet on me. I was feeling blue this week, Stu. Very blue. Everything that I had was blue and I wanted something different. So went and picked up a pen BBS 266. I'm not sure if you've seen any of these. They're kind of an eBay no. special. They're kind of hard to get. It's a, well, Pen BBS is a BBS board in China for fountain pen enthusiasts back in the day. 
And somehow they started making limited edition pens maybe five, seven years ago, something like that. It's been a while. And they actually did really well. They're really lovely, inexpensive. Well, we'll call them resin pens, but they're actually cheap plastic, but they're in lovely colors. They're a cartridge converter, you know, standard sort of, uh, thin Mont Blanc, you know, it's, it's just a standard pen, mm-hmm. a steel nib, but they write lovely out of, out of the box. And this one is a beautiful orange with silver hardware. And I wanted something bright. So I went with Diamine's Golden Sands. And I don't know about you, but gold is kind of hard to get as an ink. Mm-hmm. And this one is pretty good goldish. Uh, it's got a little bit of that green to it, but it's not bad. And it sparkles, which gives it a really gold look. Cool. So I'm quite happy with it. It's, it's bright. Perhaps not as bright and I searingly uh, shiny as I would have liked because, well, gold is not the brightest of colors, but such a change from blue. And I'm really happy with it. Excellent. Well, you've been far more adventurous than I. I'm, I'm still where I was last week. So mm. um, I've, got, I've got a lot of blue going on. I've got the, the Pelican 805, uh, whatever it is, uh, Ocean Swirl, mm. the Pro Gear regular the sunset over the ocean i'm still really enjoying that uh and i've got my pro gear slim Ooh. oh and a nero's nero's notes pencil uh the sunset over the ocean i'm really enjoying it's uh it's settling in we're settling in together the nib feels better for me yeah it's, I mean, it's just a nice pen it's a, such a lovely pen the the red the sunsetty bits uh, are so bright it's really, really nice. Uh, what a great pen. Fantastic. I'm glad I bought it, Justin. It's all your fault, and I'm glad I bought it. Oh, say that's great to hear. And I'm also really glad to see it did not go out of your uh, rotation in just a week and into the box. No, no, no. I think uh, this one will definitely be used until it's used up. Uh, and then, well, we'll see. It may, it may even get a refill. A different color. I'm using a green in it at the moment, I think. Um, I'm going to be... I'm going to be a bit, little bit more, um, I might go down your, uh, color palette there. Something a little bit sunsetty, some sort of orangey ready thing. I, I feel coming on anyway, <sighs> just to match with the, the finial. That's it. Filling on the cap. Lovely. Primitatio malorum. Ooh. The premeditation of evils. Ooh, sounds serious, doesn't it? It certainly does. This is an idea that Ryan Holiday, well, I, I would say he came up with, but uh, I'm, I'm sure as Stu said, he probably pulled it from somewhere a little bit older and a little bit wiser even than himself. Uh, but he talks about it in Obstacle is the Way. The idea of this is to approach things with a pre-mortem rather than a post-mortem finding out what went wrong. A pre-mortem is looking at what you're about to do, let's say a project or something like that, and asking yourself, what could go wrong? You know, when working it out, what could go wrong with this? And I was kind of curious because it hit me as something that perhaps has value in it. And I want to talk to Stu and see what his thoughts were. Is it something we use? Is it something we could use? What value is it? Uh, I guess the, the best way to do it is probably a series of 
what if questions mm -hmm. uh, so that to help you plan for preventable reasons the idea that bad things happen because well we know that no project ever has gone as planned the idea that if you know that things that can go wrong disaster can be avoided and stress reduced by thinking about the common problems for example what if it doesn't show up what if this doesn't work what if my contractors don't make the schedule you know all those types of things that are you you can think about those ahead of time and predict them that yes this this is possible mm -hmm. limitations so i'm wondering who had a global pandemic on their bingo card in 2019. <laughs> yeah i think there'll be few and far between but uh, it's kind of a neat exercise when planning your week so i guess uh, Stu, i wanted to talk to you about this is this something you've used uh, either in business or in personal and if so uh, what did you think about it well i mean i suppose on a personal level uh, i married a sicilian and uh, sicilians are a wonderful race but optimistic is not a word that you would apply to them um mm. so they they sort of instinctively do this um they, they tend to see the worst in everything and i think i think it is a useful thing to do um certainly you know, if you're if you're a person who has or suffers from anxiety, and I think everybody does, you know, in one form or another at one time or another, I often do this with with my wife, where if she's feeling a sort of an unease about something, then we'll we'll talk it through and go, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? Okay, so if that happened, then what would actually be the consequence of that? Where you know where would we go from that? And and that's often helped. You know, if you've imagined that the worst thing is going to happen and that actually the world keeps turning and, you know, it's not as bad as you might think it is in your mind, that whole exercise, I think, can be really useful. Mm -hmm. um, as you identified, I think the most obvious application for this is that it, it prompts you then to, to create contingency plans. Mm -hmm. um, and, the, you know, the one I think we both fell upon was, was you know, around IT, what if my computer just went? What would happen? <laughs> you know, the the hard drive explodes, or um, you know, the whole thing just goes. Well, they used to call it the blue screen of death, didn't they? <laughs> in the Windows. Yes, world. that's. Where, I think zoom. they still have that in Windows, but uh, yeah, for us, it's just uh, my my biggest fear about my computer going wrong is my HomePod will talk to my computer and I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, all of your Apple devices will have a chat together and say, "That's it, we're on strike." So. I think, you know, in the business that I was in, uh, my business partner was very much a, you know, four is three, three is two, two is one, one is non-existent. And so we had so many backups. I still have, I think, probably three remote drives of our servers, just literally about five feet away from me. And they were due to be destroyed. I think last August, but I'm keeping them for an extra year because I'm a compliance guy and that's what we do. <laughs> and then, yes, I'll be out with the drill and, you know, making sure that all the disks are destroyed completely. Having backups or, or going through that, that process of, you know, what would happen to my computer? If everything went, what would I lose? That, that's helpful. It helps you think about, you know, should I be using a cloud service? Should I be using you know, local backups. And I'm not going to get into all the tech side of that, but the thought process needs to come first. The tech is all completely useless unless you know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And 
um, and then testing it. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing about premeditaria malorum is you have to test it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, what if I didn't see this person, or what if I didn't go there, or what if this thing didn't come? You have to to sort of role play it all out in your mind. Oh, that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, well, it is. I think it is, and. I, I do it. I do negative visualization, which is another way of, of calling that thing. It's what the modern people call it. I do it because I like to try and work out what scale of options I'm operating in. So, you know, what's the worst that can happen? What's the best that can happen? What are my expectations? What actions can I take to move me to one side of that spectrum? You know, so how can I eliminate certain risks mm-hmm. or minimize certain risks? I think it's really useful, but I think you have to be careful that it doesn't dominate you mm-hmm. and that you don't sort of accidentally become the world's most pessimistic person. <laughs> what about you? Do you use it at work? Well, I've, I've started to. I came on this a couple of months ago. I read this, um, went back and was on a Ryan Holiday kick. Hmm. And I started using it in a very limited capacity. Because uh, I do it sort of when I'm planning my week, I find it very, very useful. One of the challenges that one finds one has when working completely remotely, and I don't have to talk to a guy that lives in Cyprus to, um, to talk about this, but when you're not in the office and well, everybody else is, you have to rely on people for things, even basic things mailing stuff out and, you know, things that you could just keep an eye on. Mm -hmm. And certainly one of the things that I've had to look at is I'm building up my plan for my own optimization. If something goes wrong, if somebody for whatever reason, you know, perhaps they have, what's what's a common one around at the moment, flu-like symptoms. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and all of a sudden they're not in the office and they can't do this or they can't do that. Or, you know, again, their computers fall apart and well, windows won't start because, well, they're in an office and these things, these things do happen. How do you deal with those missed expectations? What's your safety contingency in terms of time? What's your plan of, well, if this doesn't happen for any reason, there's a delay. What does that do to my schedule? And sort of thinking it through, giving yourself contingencies, as you said, is really, really good. And it's, it's been helpful, I think. It's been really, really helpful for me. I think you, you brought it up in terms of reducing anxiety and certainly not having that fixed mindset of this is what's going to happen because I have foreseen it. This is what I have scheduled, mm, therefore it shall happen. Which unfortunately I, I tend to, you know, that's, that's a bit of my natural default is to look at things and say, well, this is what you told me and this is what's going to happen. And for some reason, if this doesn't happen, it's frustrating. Uh, I'll give you an example. I had to pick up Coco. She had her monthly bath, shave, you know, trim, all the rest of that yesterday. And my bank was down and I pay the groomer by uh, interact email transfer thingy that we use out here. Mm-hmm. I don't use it very often, but she's one person that does like to get paid that way. So I do that. I'm sitting there like an idiot trying to get the app on my phone working. Well, of course the app relies on face ID and I'm wearing a mask and you could just imagine how this went. 
Sure. But the there was a problem apparently with the bank servers and nobody could do this. And I had to leave with Coco and say, I will get it to you. I'll call my bank when I get home and I will get this payment to you by the end of the day. And I'm not a guy that likes to do credit like that. That, that felt mm -hmm. really, really awkward to me. And I just felt so uncomfortable because I hadn't foreseen this possibility that I would not be able to pay for Coco. You know, that, that is, it's weird, but the amount of anxiety, the amount of stress I came home, first thing I did was got onto the website while well, the website wasn't loading. Then I called customer service and customer service was so screwed up. They just automatically said, we have problems and hung up on you. <laughs> I realized there was nothing I could do about it, sure. but the anxiety that it created, because I felt that here's my part of the transaction that I have let down, even though it's no fault of mine, that mental stress. It wasn't until the servers came back up, you know, three hours later and I managed to do this. I, and it was, I was almost like uh, doing the Instagram check. You know, I was on my phone every 10 minutes, are the servers up, are the servers up? Cause I want to send this money, <laughs> but that anxiety was there. And so I look at this and go, okay, maybe I need to go a little bit deeper in this. Uh, you have any experiences like that where it's helped you? Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, well, we're both of that age <laughs> that we know that electronic things don't work sometimes. Uh, younger people will find this difficult to believe, but trust me, it happens. And, you know, I, uh, in my house, uh, we, we have a safe in the house and within that there is a, uh, a sum of cash that is kept there as a reserve. Uh, here in my office, there's a little bit of cash in my drawer. Um, and I always have cash in my wallet, in my golf bag. There is another wallet that has some cash and a spare credit card in it. Oh. Um, <laughs> I have backups to my backups to my backups mm. for, for exactly that, that reason that, you know, electronic payment systems here are probably not as advanced as, as they are with you, but I can pay with my Apple, Apple watch if I'm wearing it. Um, and if that doesn't work, then I can pay with my iPhone if it's just me being an idiot or. Um, if that doesn't work, then I do have cards. Uh, and if that doesn't work, I've also got cash in my pocket. Mm. And that that's just exactly that whole experience that you're describing. Um, it, it doesn't happen to me because I've always got cash. Mm. Should, should push come to shove. Interesting one where I hadn't thought this through, and it bit me on the backside the other day, was new iPhone. Mm. Uh, you can now do transfer from device to device. <laughs> so rather than going through the cloud, it takes a little bit longer, but okay, I'll do that. That's the one where you take a picture of your screen and it's doing a bunch of buzzing stuff and syncs everything up and then transfers it, right? Yeah. And so it was doing that, you know, it's a bit like setting up a HomePod. And so uh, it's doing its thing and everything came out. I went, wow, look at that. And the home screens are there, you know, the, the, the wallpaper, everything. That's great. Fantastic. Brilliant. The one thing it didn't transfer was my COVID pass. Mm. So I was in the golf club at the weekend and uh, the manageress, who's a lovely girl, came up to me and said, can I see COVID pass, which is kind of the, the routine these days. And I'm sure, got my phone, I went, oh, no, you can't, it's not here. But um, I haven't been unvaccinated since you asked me yesterday. Um, you know, still, <laughs> I'm still, still the same guy. 
and she just looked at me with that I'm really sorry look and I went okay right fine it's okay just just cancel the beer I'll I'll go home <laughs> you didn't take it to go <laughs> well I, even I draw the line at driving home with a beer in one hand but mm. you are perhaps the only Cypriot or is it normally wine that uh, is usually well no I mean a Cypriot would, would have a beer in one hand and the phone in the other mm. one of my friends <laughs> he said to me he said, well, you haven't got the paper one no <laughs> because again he's he's even older than i am so he he's got the electronic version but he always has the paper one with him as well um so yeah it's just one of those things isn't it fail safes fallbacks uh are useful they can save you hassle mm -hmm. i was thinking though uh, i did an exercise i used to uh, run a manufacturing facility and one of the things that i was in charge of was safety mm. and in, in order to do safety one has to get people involved and so we did this exercise and it was you know very simple but it seemed very complicated uh, it was a what could go wrong and how likely is it so that you could rate everything and come up with a okay from everybody on the floor here's what your risks are and how much you're telling me they are so something that people may not think is a big risk cutting your hand, for example, mm -hmm. you know, when working around metal, it, it's not a big risk. You're, you're not going to lose your hand. You just put a bandaid on, you go back to work, but it was very common. And by doing this sort of matrix, one can look at it and start rating things with severity and likelihood and coming up with a weighted average that then is actionable based on the staff's own risk assessments. Now, of course, you always get the smart aleck in the back of the room when you're dealing with any group of people. And some of the risks, and I, I think about this because I think it is so relevant to how you could do this wrong. Somebody came up with on the, on the list of risks that they could identify, there was a shooter on the roof, mm -hmm. which, you know, uh, is probably not a big threat in Vancouver. Sure. Maybe other parts of the world, that is a bigger threat. But by playing this game, you now had to entertain it because, you know, you don't discount anything. You have to look at it and say, well, how likely is that to happen? And then, of course, with that, you could say, well, these things are a much higher weighting. But the fact that now you have that mental exercise that goes right there, you know, 2019 bingo cards, global pandemic personal, Hey, let's move to the country. And, oh, my wife has cancer. These are things that, well, you just, you have to go pretty deep to come up with these, you know, the shooter on the roof exercise. Sure. And I just wonder how negative that can be. Is there, is, is this a knife edge exercise that reduces anxiety to a point, but if all of a sudden you start, you know, Figuring, okay, there's going to be a volcano or BC is going to have an earthquake and slide into the sea or, you know, a, well, I, I think, at, you know, 560 meters height. I'm probably pretty good from the next uh, tidal wave, but you never know. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Sure. I mean, I think the key is um, to, you know, sudden death is exactly what it says. I mean, it's sudden. Uh, no, nobody expects to die suddenly, and yet 
lots of us do, nor does anybody expect to be incapacitated, but that happens. Now, how it actually occurs, you know, whether it be the shooter on the roof or the volcano, or um, is probably less important. So the scenarios that I have go through periodically, um, largely for my wife's benefit, are, okay, so what if I died? What would that mean for her? Um, now, you know, put aside all the emotional stuff, but what would that mean in practical problems? You know, what things do I do that she doesn't? What things do I control or possess or access that she doesn't? And how is she suddenly going to cope uh, if I'm not there? And that's where you get into making, uh, well, you know, they call it a digital will, mm-hmm. where, you know, you leave access to all of those things. And there's no point in just leaving a, a mass of passwords. You, you need to leave some sort of narrative that says, you know, the, this is where the money lives and the money that isn't here is there. Um, or, you know, this is how the electricity bill is paid. Mm-hmm. This is how the phone, those types of things are worth thinking about. And to be honest, doing that process on my own just helps me think, okay, look, I've looked at this, I've thought about it. I've put it in a big document that says, you know, Margaret, open here. <laughs> um, and then, you know, she's on her own. And sure, there's no way that that she would want to be talked through this every day, but she's aware that it exists. And should the worst happen, um, which, you know, no, nobody's hoping for it, but if it should happen, well, maybe some are, I don't know. <laughs> if it does happen, there we are. We've got, you know, a basic coping. And you won't copy it. You won't deal with everything. But I've just written a note thinking, Hmm, what would happen with the companies? Because mm-hmm. hmm, I haven't written any instructions about that. So um, there we go. It's a more homework for me. Oh, sorry, Stuart. And I think it's that's right. I think it's worth doing for for those that, who are left behind, and just thinking, okay, if I die suddenly, you don't need to then obsess about why, and you know whether you need to maybe eat a little bit less cheese or uh, move a bit more. I mean, those are probably good things too. But at the end of the day. Things happen, you know, things fall out of the sky and land on your head. So you've got to have something in there. And I think particularly with our sort of electronic lives now, Mm. you know, I think it's a great mystery to Margaret what I do down here for hours upon hours upon hours. (laughs) And, you know, giving her the password to to my one password vault is not necessarily going to help her because I can think there are about 600 passwords in there, of which probably 50 are used. Yeah, that's that's actually something I hadn't thought about. But yeah. we did our wills not too long ago uh, over Christmas. Mm-hmm. That was something uh, where my wife, uh, you know, getting getting cancer suddenly puts things in perspective, and uh, sure, that was a, a process we went through. That's got to be sort of one hundred and one for everyone. If anybody listening to this does not have a will, go and do one. Uh, it's not as difficult as you think it is, um, and once you've done one, it's much easier just to keep updating it every now and again mm-hmm. than to, to to leave someone if you if you do pass away and you haven't done a will then the prime beneficiary of your your estate will be the tax man mm-hmm. that, that's just just the way the world works and the other thing that we've done i'm sure you've done this as well is um uh, incapacity so uh what do we call them uh lpoas so if uh, one of us is uh, unable to sort of manage our own affairs, then the other is able to manage them for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they call it? Lasting power of attorney. I think it's called. There you go. In UK law, what it's called in 
Canadian norm, my friend, I don't know. Uh, what it is, is a lineup of people wanting to pull the plug on me. That's <laughs> basically what it is. Uh, lots of volunteers for that position. I'm not sure why. There is that element of it too. <laughs> yeah, but these things worth doing. I do have to ask you, Stu. Mm. Do you have an inventory of your, well, let's call them things of value that you've purchased and you know have an intrinsic value? Let's say sailor pens that we know aren't particularly cheap. Or are you worried, um, because it's a, sort of a, a joke from Harley Davidson's that when I die, I'm worried that my wife is going to sell my stuff for what I told her I paid for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> things that aren't mentioned on the insurance policy specifically, uh, yeah, she probably wouldn't know. But then again, my wife is, and as I think most wives are, pretty bright. <laughs> and I suspect would look at my pens and go, hmm. So he's kept these in a drawer that he had specially modified to hold them. No, these these aren't going to be biros, are they? Mm. Yeah, I think one of the things I will have to leave as part of my wife is my eBay seller account login because there's a lot of stuff. I'm I'm actually you know just having moved all my stuff. I realize what a burden that is going to be making somebody mm -hmm. get rid of all my junk. Sure. <sighs> I mean it it has value, but oh my gosh, would that be a lot of work for somebody? It's taken me a lifetime to accumulate all this crap. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great supporting argument for a, a bit of Mary Kondo or Marie Kondo. Mm, yeah, I know you 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 live a little bit more of the minimalist lifestyle than perhaps I do. So, mm. oh, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, my takeaway. Or actually, let's let's go to your takeaway. Do you have any takeaways from this? Uh, yeah, I mean, my takeaway is look this in the eye, look death in the eye and say, okay, what if? Because those things that we've just mentioned, like a will, like a lasting power of attorney, like a digital will, a digital sort of cupboard where you keep everything, so that your other half or your family are not landed with a whole load of practical problems alongside dealing with the emotional problem of you having left. Um, just do it. Mm. Get on with it. Nobody wants to. Do it the once. It becomes a habit, and then it doesn't distress you that's good um i'm thinking more about using this on a weekly basis and you know as i say i kind of look at my schedule and i look at all the contingent things you know waterfall uh project management planning comes back mm -hmm. and no i don't do that but it would be very easy to <laughs> to get into that sort of mentality oh what needs to happen for this to happen on this day dependencies and oh yes uh yeah it is one of those things that it does have a place and I've been using it quite successfully, but be cautious. So do a pre-mortem, but be cautious about it because two things, you're not going to find everything. And if you do, you're going to be such in a negative place looking at the world that, well, you just don't want to live in that world. So use it, but be cautious. If you have a big project or initiative, you know, particularly at work really is good to do back in the old days i used to build bridges and one of the things that i always had to do was look at my supply chain constraints because well you know manufacturing most of it comes from around the world 
how how does this happen? What are my delivery dates? Where are my contingencies? What else can I do? Because, you know, flying stuff in sometimes isn't an option. And so having an idea of what could go wrong, what are your key delivery dates? What are your key follow-up dates? Really, really important to consider. Absolutely. It's very much project management 101. You don't want to go to that level for your personal stuff, but there are some uses to it. So for sure, use it, but be cautious. All right. So where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at stuartlennon.com or at nerosnotes.co.uk. Uh, or you can find me uh, in the Twitterverse at Stu Lennon. Mm. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Well, first off, I got to say stuartlennon.com. If you're not a subscriber, I recommend it. Uh, Stu's writing a book in case we've not talked about it on, you know, the last, uh, what are the 46 episodes this morning, I came down to my email box and there was a big, big scene. I've been waiting for, I don't know how many episodes on this one, Stu, but uh, mm. yes, it it's there and it was wonderfully written and it's worth a subscription support Stu. <laughs> StuartLennon.com, ladies and gentlemen, off you go. Mm, really good. Anyway, I'm just reliving that in my mind as I'm sitting here. You can find me at justintwyfer.com. You can find links to stuff I do there. StationAdjacent.com. You can find both Stu and myself. I'm generally lurking or ranting at uh, my bank for non accepting payments. JJ Twyford on Twitter. And if you have any comments and want to spend my money, much like Lisa did, thank you. Uh, you can email me at uh, stationeryadjacent at gmail.com. Read and try to respond to every email we get. Our next topic is going to be traveling again. I have a trip coming back up to the coast coming up in well two weeks. So next week we're going to talk about that because I forgot how to travel. <laughs> I forgot how to pack. I forgot what to pack. And oh, it was a mess. The last trip, I looked like I was moving down there for a night and uh, it was, I packed enough for a week. So we need to talk this through and we need to get efficient and productive on how we do trips. And because the world's opening up again, maybe it's a good time. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us. <laughs>